Good evening, folks. I'm Ash. I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. And welcome to another episode of Calf Kick Sports. Today, we are joined by Mississippi's finest, Jason the Kid Knight. Uh, Jason, how's life after leaving the tough house a few months ago? Is it back to reality as normal, or has things changed up for you since then? Uh, it's pretty much the same, man. I just went straight to work, and uh, I worked every day, Monday through Friday, at a place called International Welding and Fabrication. And then uh, after work, I'll go to the gym. Right now, I'm just going two or three times a week. And you know, as soon as I, I get some kind of definite answer about when I might be fighting, then I, I'll get back to it full time. Makes sense. Hey, that, that's fantastic news. Glad to see that everything's going well. And congratulations. So thus far on the show, you got a first round submission, first minute. How did it feel uh, getting, the, getting it done so early in that matchup? I felt good, man. Um, yeah, I kind of, I had it in my head. I, I was pretty, pretty certain that I was going to get that win. And um, I, I watched my, my, my opponent like a dummy. You know, he was out there with some of his teammates in the backyard doing some training. And I watched him get tapped out a few times. I knew that his jujitsu wasn't as good as mine. So, you know, my game plan was to go out there and try to touch him up on the feet um, and then closer to the end of the first round, take him down, try to get the first round sub. Well, I went out there and I hit him with a couple good punches. He decided to make my job easy and he took me down. And so I, I pretty much knew that if we hit the ground, he was getting submitted for sure. And yeah. it worked out, man. And now, I, 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 we don't know the results, and I'm not going to ask you to preview it, but you are fighting Kurt Holabow later this week, and then if you win, you'll be fighting Austin Hubbard in the finals. But I, I won't ask you what happens, but instead, I'll ask you, is it weird facing people that you trained with for the entire season? Yeah, man, it was definitely weird. Uh, you know, I went from you know, fighting the opposition pretty much to now I'm fighting you know, my teammate, my friend, um, my roommate, uh, that, you know, we, all four of us, we lived in the same room. All four of the lightweights from Team Chandler, we lived in the same room. Uh, we ate the same meals. We, we, you know what I'm saying? If I ate something, I made sure that I shared it with those guys. If they ate something, they made sure they shared it with me. We were like a brotherhood. And going from that to all of a sudden now we're fighting, that was definitely strange. It's hard to, you know, kind of get yourself in the mind frame of you know it's fight time and get that adrenaline going and stuff like that was it, was it, obviously when you know yeah that you're going to be fighting a teammate that you know everyone knows that you're going to be fighting each other was that quite a stressful environment um you know and how did it work in terms of training because you don't want to be training too closely together obviously you, you're trying to train separately so how, how does that all work generally speaking jason uh, man, we, we all, none of us really cared. We kind of knew what the other guys were bringing to the table. And we knew that we're going in here to a tough fight. No matter what we do for this last little week, it's not going to change the fact that they already know 90% of the stuff about us. So we just kept training as normal, you know. Uh, normally throughout the, the experience, Kurt was my training partner for just about everything. But instead, you know, we kind of switched it up. I went and trained with Roe, 
and Kurt and Austin trained together for that last week. But I mean, we were still in the same room, still on the same mats. All I had to do was look over to see what they were working on. They could look over and see what we were working on. And you know, it didn't really matter. We, we kind of knew what to expect anyways. Makes sense. It's kind of like an open secret. So we had a team. So we had a teammate of yours before, uh, Cody Gibson. He's actually been a recurring guest on our show, and um, he decided, you know what, I'm not going to fight Timo because he knows about my knee injury. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and fight Rico instead. Um, is that is that something that you knew that was going to happen? Like, because I know, I know, like the editing of the show is slightly weird, isn't it? You know. You, uh, yeah, is that something you guys all knew about uh, beforehand We're, as well? We didn't. We didn't know who uh, who was going to wind up getting to fight Rico. Uh, we know that you know Dana White called us all into his office and asked him, asked us all, you know, who do you want to fight or whatever. And pretty much every single person that was on Team Chandler, they wanted to fight Rico. Every one of the bantamweights, <laughs> and you know, of course, that's what they they want to do because. That's the easier matchup. You know, whether Rico landed the knockout or not, he's the easier matchup. It's a veteran versus a rookie. And, you know, regardless, it doesn't really matter how skilled the rookie is or whatever. You're going to take the, the chances of beating the rookie over beating the veteran any day. Yeah. Man, absolutely awesome, man! I, I my favorite moments from your career that I've seen thus far. I mean, you're 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 not reaching the end of your career anytime soon. We got a long ways to go, but I love the fights that you had with Artem Lobov in the in BKFC here. They were chaotic. There was fights in the audience as you guys were fighting. It was knockdowns back and forth, man. What do you remember from these fights with Artem? Um, I, I just remember in the first fight. I, I used no skill whatsoever in the first fight. I went out there and I got hit once or twice. And I went back to the eighth grade and I tried to kill him. I didn't think about how to kill him or how to do it correctly. I was just trying to show him that I was tougher than he was. But turns out he was pretty tough himself. And then, you know, we go into the second fight. And I just knew that I did not want to walk out of that, that, uh, that squared circle or whatever. I don't want to walk out there nearly as bad as I was the first time. So, you know, leading up to that fight, we just made sure that I, I got my technique correct. And I made sure I was in the right mindset to stick, uh, stick to the game plan and not fight like a bat out of hell. And it worked out. He barely even touched me in the second fight. I walked out of there with no cuts and stuff on my yeah. face. The worst thing that happened to me in the second fight, I, I cut my hand on his tooth and had to deal with that. But, you know, other than that, I walked out of there unscathed. Looking good. What Did Connor ever bring this up? Did he did he recognize he was the guy who beat Artem in that? Yeah. yeah. I was ask. Uh, they didn't show it on the show, but um, whenever he was out there in the back getting his hair cut by Mondo, uh, I walked in the room and that was one of the first things he said was, you know, awesome fights start him and telling his his uh, team stuff, this is a bare knuckle legend and all this good stuff. But they, wow. didn't, they didn't show that on the show. What? So th there's one there's one interview where you actually mentioned, you know, beforehand, yeah, you thought that Connor would be a little bit of a prick. Um, you know, you didn't actually have too much of a great opinion, but then. You had the show, you, you, you speak to him and you're like, there's actually a lot more to them just being that. Like behind cameras, he's actually quite soft inside. 
Um, is that opinion still the same? Do, do you still feel like that? Yeah, I mean, Connor, for the most part, he's okay. He's all right guy. And, you know, he's got a good attitude about him for the most part. But as soon as something goes sideways, it's not going his way, then, you know, he's like a, like a kid. I guess you could say it's kind of kind of bitchy, and <laughs> I I don't know. I, I mean, that's just my honest opinion. You know, if everything's going right for Connor, then he's nice, happy-go-lucky guy. But if it doesn't go how he likes it, then it's like it's almost like he's bipolar. But uh, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, literally, yeah. literally, what Cody said. He goes, he's he, you know, you don't know what you're getting with him. Sometimes, you know, he's yeah, sometimes a nice dude. Sometimes it can just be like a complete like prick, as you mentioned. But you know, is what it is with Connor. Um, but going by your coach, uh, Michael Chanda, you know, I think everyone had a great relationship with him. Um, I was speaking to Cody, and he goes, "Yeah, like Michael Chandler is exactly um, you know the, the guy that you see on TV." Uh, for you personally, how do you feel like he helped you in terms of your coaching? Um, you know, to make you know for your skill set and your fighting style. I think the the biggest thing I take I took away from the whole experience about you know training wise like actually learning anything, uh, just little small details with the wrestling that you know I feel like in the long run they're gonna help my game out tremendously. You know I didn't get to to implement any of that in my fight, and you know it, it's it's hard to in su- in such a short span of time to you know kind of like add, add something new to your game. You know, for yeah. the most part, you're going to do what you know and what you've been training for, and that's kind of what happened in the fight. I, I went out there, and whenever he shot for that takedown, I defended it right at first, and then next thing you know, bam, I'm on my back. And instincts kicked in and threw up the triangle and everything. But the the biggest takeaway I took from Michael Chandler was just, you know, feeling like I had family there. You know, he treated us mm-hmm. all like family. It, it wasn't just like he was there to do a job. He was there to, you know, connect with everybody and, and be part of a team. And, you know, to me, I'm just happy I ended up on this team because Connor was there to to sell all of these products, you know, to, to push all of these products to the, you know, to the camera. He had the, the McGregor Fast, the title, um, uh, what do you call it? Nasty Tied ass liquor. Yeah, yeah. What's this? The nasty ass liquor. Proper 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> what did you say? That, Wait, nasty ass. <laughs> that nasty ass liquor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that shit's gross. That I don't disagree. Y'all tried it, man. I don't like it. I don't yeah, like it. Yeah, that and then uh, the Forged Iris Stout. Uh, you know, he. That's all, that's all that this was for him. You know, it was another way to, to market his his new products and whenever we walk into the house there's mcgregor fast and title and everything just thrown all over the place there's millions of bottles of proper 12 that absolutely nobody wants to drink except for (laughs) maybe maybe the exception of his team because you know his team just kind of wanted to kiss his ass the whole time but Everybody from my team, I don't, I don't think there's one person that took even one sip of, you know, some proper twelve. 
<laughs> I mean, and, Connor was upset most of the time because he was losing, but it seems like with the, the structure of the teams, veterans versus newbies, and then also the coaching staff, it, he was in a no-win situation. Like, you guys were being coached by Chandler and Ryan Bader and Jones and, like, veterans like this. Yeah. I mean, they had a they had a good coaching staff. They did. Mm. But I don't feel like Connor was part of that coaching staff. You know, and, the, like, it, it kind of showed that his whole team, they, did, they didn't feel – like they had a team of coaches behind them, you know, that like they felt like they had people that were there to just do a job. And they didn't, they, it didn't seem family, like they weren't as tight knit as we were, I guess you could say. And uh, I don't know, man, I, I just, I just think it, it was just a, a lot better for our team, a whole lot better atmosphere. We, you know, went there and planned on, just being there for ourselves, not being there for anyone else. And before it was over with, we were all there for each other the whole entire time. You've been surrounded by some pretty great coaches in your career. Anyone, I can't imagine that any of them have ever been tougher than Alan Belcher. What's it like? You kind of came up training under Alan Belcher. What's it like training under with a guy like that? Oh man, it was, it was pretty tough because, uh, I don't know if Alan came up in, you know, the school of hard knocks, but I damn sure did. You know, I, I remember the way that I learned how to check a low kick. There's a guy named Cody Sensony uh, that used to train with us. He, I, well, he still trains a little bit now, but he used to be a pretty jam up fighter. And I was like 15 and I was six and I was an amateur training at, you know, uh, at my backyard, training in my backyard, and I was fighting at a place called the Fight Club, and uh, they had a uh, 16 by 16 dog kennel inside of a boxing ring. So I went there and I just fought some average Joes that had never really trained, and I was just training in the backyard, reading Eddie Bravo books, watching UFC fights, and me, my brother, and a couple buddies, you know, trying to take away what we could. So then we decide when I'm 15 to go to Alan Belcher's gym. It's a real gym. We can make something happen here. And, you know, a few months in, I can't check a low kick. You know, I'm already 6-0, but I still don't even know how to check a low kick. I'm not even a fighter yet. And uh, Cody Sensney, he's actually already pretty badass. Well, we get in there and we're sparring, and he kicks me in the leg. Kicks me in the leg. And Alan's screaming, check it, check it. I'm, I don't know what the hell that means. I don't know how to check a leg kick. Well, then next thing you know, Cody kicks me off my feet. I get back up. He kicks me off my feet again. I get back up. He kicks me off. He just did it probably 10 times over and over again to where I just, just about couldn't walk. And, you know, before it was over with, I knew how to make sure that he didn't kick that leg no more. You know, and, and that's kind of how it worked. If you... If you had a problem, you know, keeping your damn hands up, somebody would try to knock your head off until you decided to start keeping your hands up. If you sucked at getting out of arm bars, you got put in a million arm bars until you got the way you didn't suck at getting, you know, putting arm bars anymore. And that, that's kind of how Alan Belcher was back in the day. And now everything, our gyms got a little softer, you know, because back in the day, we were trying to build MMA fighters. We weren't trying to, you know, have kickboxing 
classes and kids' classes and stuff like that. But now, you know, now it's a, a little softer than what it was, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I came up the hard way and I took the hard route. And, you know, I feel like it made me a, a tougher, better fighter because of it. Do you, do you think, generally speaking, the harder way is just definitely the way to go if you're looking to be a pro long term? Um, uh, you know, I mean, probably not so much on your body. But yeah. for me, man, you got you got a lot of these guys out there that are they are awesome athletes. They are just amazing athletes, and they get by on being a better you know athlete than a lot of people. But I'm not I'm not an athlete. I, I've told a lot of people this. I I had to work very, very hard to be athletic. But as far as being a fighter, you know, having that heart, that's something you can't teach. And I I feel like that was kind of like beat into me at an early age to where now, like, you put me in a bad spot, I'm going to try my best to figure out a way out of it. I'm going to do everything I can until I'm just done. You know, you're not ever going to just make me quit. And all these guys that are really, really good athletes, that's kind of the opposite. You know, you put them in a bad spot, you'll see them quit. For instance, mm. you know, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, the first loss he got whenever he lost to Nate Diaz. As soon as he got put in that choke, he was tapping. You know, that's not a real champion to me. If you're a real champion, you go out on your shield, you you fight that damn choke until you fall asleep. You give it everything you got until you know that you can't get out. You know, you maybe tap last resort right before you go to sleep, but not as soon as the damn choke gets put on you. And that's yeah. that's what I mean. You know, you got some of these guys really, really good like that, but they don't have the heart to take them where they need to be. Yeah, I remember you actually comparing him to uh, Holly Holm because Holly Holm fought in the same card. She got choked out as well by uh, Misha Tate, I believe. Yeah. Um, yes. And you even mentioned, yes. like, look at the way Holly went out. She went out like a warrior. She actually, she fell, she fell, she went to sleep. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense. I think some people are just different, uh, differently built. Um, how, how did you, you know, just to kind of go back to your roots a little bit, how did you get into MMA? Jason, I mean, what was the driving force that made you think I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna be a fighter? Man, I, I was, I was a rough kid. I, my brother, he's seven years older than me, so all my life he kind of kicked my ass. His friends kicked my ass. They made sure that I was tough, and I got into a lot of street fights because of that. You know, if my brother has beat my ass my whole life, what can you do to me? You know, what what can you do that is gonna hurt me? That's gonna scare me? There's absolutely nothing, and there's no man in this world that I'm scared of. You know, I there's men out there that I'm not gonna try to pick a fight with, but if they try to pick a fight with me, I'm never in my life ever gonna step down. And that's kind of how I came up in school. You know, if, if somebody bigger than me wanted to try to bully me, then I jumped on their ass and I handled my business. You know, if I won, great. If I didn't, oh well. You know, it didn't. It didn't matter to me. I didn't get picked on anymore. And you know, and then I was like 14, and I had gotten two or three street fights at school. And uh, a guy, he's now like my brother-in-law. He's got four kids with my sister. Um, he was a friend of the family. You know, somebody 
knew him, you know, through school or whatever. You know. Anyways, long story short, he decides he wants to try to teach me how to box. And now I'll kick his ass. But at the time, <laughs> yeah, at, at the time, he knew more than I did. You know, all I knew how to do was grab your T-shirt with my left hand and punch you a whole bunch of times with my right hand until the teacher came. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know anything at all about fighting. Well, then you know, he starts teaching me how to throw punches with my left hand, teaching me how to throw straight punches, um, and then you know we we evolve into trying to throw kicks on the heavy bag and and stuff like that. Start reading Eddie Bravo books and all this, and then next thing you know, he goes to this bar in Mobile, Alabama, called the Whiskey. And they're passing out flyers for that place called the Fight Club that I was telling you about. And like I said, at this place, they have a 16 by 16 dog kennel that's stuck inside of a boxing ring. It has no no kind of rubber padding on the, the cage or anything. It's just straight, bar, wow. like straight metal wire or whatever. And uh, he, he comes home with this flyer and he's like, look, man, I think you should try this. You should call him and ask if they'll let you fight. And at this time, I'm 14. So I call and the guy, you know, I asked him, I was like, hey, man, I'm 14. Can I fight? He said, I don't give a shit if you're 12. If your mama was signed for it, you can fight. <laughs> so I go to my mom. I go to my mom. I tell her, like, look, this is what I want to do. Uh, you know, they, they paid. You know, at this time, there was no athletic commission in Alabama. And they paid you $100 if you win the fight, nothing if you lose the fight. So that was, I can go make a hundred bucks and I don't get charges pressed on me. I was like, hell yeah. I called the guy and he, I went down there on Monday. I talked to my mom about it. We went down there on Monday. She signed me up. I fought that Wednesday and I've never looked back since. I started out, like I said, I started out just doing it for fun. You know, something to keep me out of trouble, something to keep me from getting charges pressed. And then somewhere around, I would say probably 16. I'm like 10 and I was an amateur. And right before I turned 17, Alan Belcher comes to me. He's like, hey, man, I think it's time for you to go pro. It's like, uh, okay, you know, if you think I'm ready. And he had to talk to the Mississippi Athletic Commission. He's like, look, this guy's been fighting grown men since he was 14. He just turned 17. Will y'all let him fight as a pro? And pretty much the same thing. The athletic commission says if his mama signed off on it, cool. And she signed off, of course. Well, uh, went pro at 17. And from then on, you know, I went, I think it was seven or eight no before yeah. I had my first loss. You know, they were all like first and second round finishes. I have my first loss, fight a few more times. I wind up rematching the guy that I lost to, and I beat him in the second fight. And then I get to where I'm 16 and one, and I wind up I, I'm like 15 and one. And then I get a fight for Titan FC. I win the fight for Titan FC, and then after that, UFC calls, and from then, you know, I just went on this little ride. 
Man, yeah. It's awesome to see that you've been doing this in, in, you know, amateur and professionally for half your life or more than half your life at this point. If you're looking into the future five years from now, 10 years from now, how do you envision yourself still fighting actively, holding a title, retired? What do you think? So my plan is this. You know, I, I, I started this, like I said, I started at 14 just for fun as a kid. And now I have. I fought in Melbourne, Australia. I fought in Liverpool, England. I've been to Thailand a couple of times. I fought in Chicago, Vegas, Texas, you know, all over this damn place. And now I've I pretty much lived every dream that I ever had. You know, and now the only dream left to, to live is buy me a nice piece of property, build my dream house, and sit back with my feet on the damn, you know, with my feet kicked up on my front porch and enjoy the rest of my life. So my plan is within the next five years, make enough money to build that house, buy that land, build that house. You know, I'm 31 now. I'm hoping and praying that by the time I'm 35, I can be done. Take my gloves off right there in the middle of the octagon and call it quits. And... You know, the, the way I look at it is if for some reason when I'm 35, I'm just on top of the world and, you know, up there close to title contention, yeah, I might go a little bit longer. But if I have my house, I have my land, I got some kind of little future set up, then I'm good to go. I don't I don't need anything else. I don't give a damn about winning the belt. Who cares? You know, I don't, I don't have to be mm-hmm. UFC champion. Uh, that would be cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but I didn't get in this to be the best in the world. I got in this to punch people in the face, and I've had a hell of a time doing that. Yeah, I've got, you know, I, I've had a whole lot of fun, and now I've got, I've got a seven year old who's about to be eight, uh, eight year old, and then an eleven year old, and all three of my kids at some point in time throughout the last few years have looked at me like, Daddy, you need to quit fighting. You know, that's that I come home with like a bloodied up, you know, cut on my eye or whatever, or, uh, my nose busted up, whatever. And they see that they don't really care to see their daddy hurt. Mm-hmm. And I've just I've told them like, look bro, I got I got a little bit more time to do it. I got just a little bit more, you know, I got a little bit more to do and then we'll be done. And it, my my biggest thing behind that, I'm not going to be one of those guys who's 38, 40, you know, past my prime, still hoping and praying to, to make it somewhere. You know, by the time I'm 35, if I haven't, you know, got on top of the world, I'm going to accept that. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not going to have to look back and wonder what if, because I, you know, if I gave it my all and I didn't make it there, cool. That's, that's fine by me. I had fun. The ride's over. That's quite refreshing to hear as well, because I think, um, uh, Kevin Holland mentioned this yesterday. In fact, after the presser, he goes, I don't understand why everyone just, every single person's like, I want to be the champ. Like half of you will never even get close. And he even says, I'm not going to be the champion. I'm just here to be a prize fire. So it's quite refreshing to hear that sometimes. Um, you don't you don't get that often enough. Um, but yeah, Jason, I've got one more question for you, um, just to round it off and end it off in a way. Uh, so we asked this question to a lot of fighters. Um, you know, we're, we're big on this question. 
Um, you know, some fighters, they go for massive amounts of anxiety before going into a fight. Some don't as much. Um, you know, we spoke to Sam Alvey uh, a year and a half ago, and he mentioned, I don't get any anxiety. Like, it's just a fight at the end of the day. Um, how do you cope with the anxiety if you get anxiety at all before a fight? Uh, to, to start off, Sam Alvey's full of shit. <laughs> he's full of shit bro I have fought I have fought 40 times now now 40 that's that's 40 fights I've had 30 professional fights well if you include the bare knuckle I've had 32 professional fights and I had 10 amateur fights and I still get just as nervous as I did for the first fight yeah, that's it's something that you learn how to deal with better so maybe that's what he's saying there. He deals with those butterflies and shit better. He, he doesn't feel that it's just a fight at the end of the day. And I get that. You know, yeah, it's just a fight. You learn how to to cope with everything. You know that this butterfly that I'm getting in my stomach right now is because I'm about to fight. That's my body telling me, oh, shit, we're about to go get punched in the face. And you know, that's that's fine. I've learned how to deal with that, and I, I love it, actually. You know, like, that adrenaline makes me feel alive. And, you know, that's, that's why we all still do this. That's why we all chase this dream. That's why we all get in there and fight. It's for that, that rush. You know, that's it. It's, whether it's anxiety, adrenaline, whatever it is, it's there every single time. And... You're nervous as hell. You fucking, you're in the back hitting pads and stuff. It's like, oh my God, why can't I breathe? Why can't I hit the pads right? Whatever, you know? And then all of a sudden, the cage door shuts, the first punch gets thrown, and all that shit goes away. You're just fighting. And uh, I love it. I, uh, I hate it, but I love it at the same time. You know, every, every, every fighter you ever have, there's always some point in their career where they're getting ready to fight. They got just a little while and all of a sudden everything gets real. Like, Oh fuck. Oh man, we're going to fight. And <laughs> like, man, why the, in your head, you're like, why the fuck do I do this? Why do I sign up for this? <laughs> and then, you know, you get out there, you start fighting. And then whenever it's all said and done, you're like, man, that was so fun. And then you remember, okay, this is why we, this is why we signed that contract. This is why we got in here to fight because you love this shit. And everybody, though, everybody, I don't care what Sam Alvey says, everybody goes through that. There's always some point in time getting ready for that fight that you're like, oh man, this shit sucks. Why, you know, I hate this. And then all of a sudden it's, it's real and it's fun again. Awesome. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for your time, man. You were absolutely, you had to be in stitches uh, half the time, man. You're hilarious. Um, but yeah, look, we, we're going to give you the final word. Um, you know, thank you again. Thanks again for coming on the show. Um, is there any sponsors that you'd like to shout out? Where can the folks find you? Um, we'll give you your final minute, man, to sign us out here, uh, Jason. Um, you know, as of right now, no sponsors. I haven't tried to get any sponsors. Um, but a huge shout out to Eight Man Strong. Um, you know, they sent me a few shirts not long ago, and whenever they sent these shirts, they they sent them with these cards. I'm not gonna read them, just because they take so long. <laughs> there, but 
I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe whoever can pause it and hold on and look at this message. It's got a badass message. Amen. Got a badass message with every one of their shirts. And I appreciate the message. I can't wait to, you know, give these cards to somebody, spread along their message. Uh, you know, if you want to follow me, go on Instagram. It's at uh, JTK the Kid. Uh, Facebook, Jason Knight, Jason the Kid Knight. I don't even like Twitter, so if you don't follow me on there, I don't care. I don't get on it anyways. Um, but thank y'all for having me on the show. God bless you guys. Everybody, God bless you. you know, have a good one. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, man. Eh? Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Peace.